On today's episode, the Chicago Blackhawks snapped their eight-game losing streak last night behind another impressive performance from Lucas Reichel and Andreas Athanasiu. I'll talk about how this win impacts the Blackhawks in the standings and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, April 5th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, whether you're a first-time listener of the show or a consistent listener, either way, please do me a huge favor. Make sure to go and show some support if you haven't done so already. Go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's 100% for free and really does help me out tremendously. While you're there, make sure to smash that like button, comment down below, and turn on those push notifications to get notified when the latest episode gets uploaded to YouTube. And for you audio folks, also make sure to go and follow the podcast 100% for free as well, wherever you may be listening to your podcast. You can also go and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, which I also greatly appreciate. And you're going to have to do that anyways to qualify for the two free Blackhawks tickets that I'm giving away to next Monday's game, the second to last home game of the season against the Minnesota Wild. I'll talk to you all more about that after the first commercial break, so make sure to stick around. Today is the last day to enter the drawing for those two free tickets. So make sure to go do all that good stuff, folks. I greatly appreciate all of the support. All right. Good morning, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your Wednesday morning. Some interesting weather going on lately here in the Chicagoland area. We're getting ridiculous thunderstorms followed by 70-degree weather. Hot air's coming in, cool air's coming in. It's making for some interesting storms out there right now, but uh, as of the time of this recording, it looks lovely out here in the Chicago suburbs, but I do believe there is another storm coming, so I hope everyone had safe travels in the morning, and I hope everyone has safe travels on their way home from work as well. Uh, but getting into some Blackhawks stuff now, last night the Chicago Blackhawks had a matchup with the Calgary Flames up in Calgary, and for those of you who may be a little bit unaware of what's going on in the Western Conference playoff race, maybe you're just keeping up with the Blackhawks in the bottom of the standings, which of course I'll talk about in our second segment of the episode, so make sure to stick around for that too. Um, but For those who may not know, coming into last night's game, the Calgary Flames are, you know, they're in the midst of a battle for that final playoff spot in the Western Conference. Coming into last night's game, they were trailing uh, the Winnipeg Jets by just two points with both teams having five games left in the schedule. They're desperately needing to pick up a win on home ice against one of the worst teams in the entire NHL. And then as we all know, the Blackhawks are on the complete other end of the spectrum. Obviously, us fans uh, and probably, you know, the front office too is hoping for this team to pick up as many losses as possible down the stretch so that they can finish 32nd in the NHL standings when it's all said and done. So Calgary obviously really needed a win last night. The Blackhawks really could have used a loss. 
And of course, the worst case scenario winds up happening for both teams. The Chicago Blackhawks go on to snap their eight-game losing streak with a 4-3 win over the Flames, really putting a wrench in their playoff hopes. And honestly, pretty unacceptable for the Calgary Flames to lose this game on home ice against a struggling Blackhawks squad. They had lost, obviously, eight games in a row coming into this one. Um, being on home ice in a must-win situation, you got to take advantage of an opportunity like that. And for the Flames to not be able to, uh, man, has to be frustrating to be a fan of the Fla- uh, Calgary Flames this season as they just continue and continue and continue to underachieve. Um yeah, not, not a very good performance from the Flames last night, if I'm being honest. Yes, they did outplay the Blackhawks in the final 40 minutes, but so does basically everyone in the NHL, right? Go take a look at the Blackhawks roster. They're going to get outplayed more times than not. That's just what's going to happen. And I really wasn't all that impressed with Calgary's effort last night. I thought they made uh, a lot of key mistakes. A lot of breakdowns gave the Blackhawks a lot of odd man rushes. And offensively, while they did have a lot of shots on that and uh, they were firing the puck towards the cage whenever they could and, you know, ended up with 36 shots on that. I believe they also doubled up the Blackhawks in scoring chances, but it, it's not like they had that many pristine scoring opportunities. I believe the Blackhawks were right there with them in terms of the high danger chances. And honestly, all three goals that Calgary scored last night were kind of gifted to them by the Blackhawks, right? The first one was a terrible giveaway by Seth Jones right in front of his own goaltender. I'm still not sure why he didn't just backhand clear that out of the offensive zone. He tried to make a nifty backhand forehand play, winds up turning it over in midair actually, and Toffoli gets credited with the goal. Uh, And then on the second Flames goal, Austin Wagner was guilty of a brutal defensive zone turnover. And then the third one for Calgary, Bankton off Ian Mitchell's skate. So uh, kind of a couple of just gifts given by the Blackhawks is really how Calgary only scored their goals last night. So pretty embarrassing for me, uh, to me, at least that the Flames weren't able to find a way in the most crucial time of the season on home ice against a team that's built to be actively losing at this point of the season. Yeah, pretty embarrassing. The Blackhawks wind up sweeping the Calgary Flames in the season series, winning all three games. And I'll tell you what, those are three games that Calgary Flames fans are going to look at with uh, a lot of bad thoughts in their mind. They're going to be looking back at this one when the season comes to an end. If they do ultimately wind up missing the playoffs, those are going to be three games that leave Calgary Flames fans with their heads shaking. Massively missed opportunities for Calgary against Chicago this season. But enough about them because the Blackhawks certainly had uh, several players show positive performances on their way to victory last night, their first victory in quite a while. And I got to start with two guys who have just been red hot for the Blackhawks as of late up on the top line and Andreas Athanasiu and Lucas Reichel. Uh, Reichel picked up two more assists last night, a couple of great primary apples to set up Athanasiu for both goals. Uh, Reichel now has six goals in his last six games in the progression, just keeps being more and more evident. And then for Athanasiu, he found the back of the net twice for his 17th and 18th goals of the season. He's now just two goals shy of the 20-goal plateau, which he's only hit one time previously in his entire NHL career back in 2018-19 with the Detroit Red Wings, and he actually went on to pot 30 that season. So those two have just been clicking up on that top line together recently, and I think what's been especially evident to me is how well these two 
play in transition and feed off each other. And now that they've got some, you know, a couple of weeks worth of games under their belt playing together, it feels like they're very familiar with each other's game and they've been moving the puck tremendously back and forth. And uh, I mean, if you give Lucas Reichel and Andreas Athanasiu chances in transition, those two are two of the best skaters on the Blackhawks. Athanasiu is obviously one of the best skaters in the entire league. That's one of the best parts of Lucas Reichel's game so far as well. It feels like he's done a really good job at recognizing opportunities, potential odd man rushes in transition. He and Athanasiu capitalized on a couple of them real quick last night. So it's been awesome to see those two really working well together. Athanasiu now has four goals in his last three games as well. Reichel's been a point-per-game player darn near for the last uh, couple of weeks. Our baby boy is growing right in front of our own eyes, and it is absolutely magnificent to watch. Listen, I've been saying on this Black uh, Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for a couple of years now that Lucas Reichel is going to be a special player. It's been phenomenal watching him kind of develop into that here on the fly, getting an opportunity on the top line. Love to see him continue to make the most of it there with Andreas Athanasiu. And by the way, Jonathan Taves actually started last night's game against Calgary up on that top line in his first game back after missing two months. Looked like Luke Richardson just kind of wanted to ease him into the lineup, starting him on the fourth line with Reese Johnson and Austin Wagner. In the second half of that game against New Jersey, Taves started to get some shifts up on the top line. That's where he opened up this game against Calgary. And he also picked up another assist last night on Athanasiu's opening goal of the game. All in all, another pretty decently solid performance out of Jonathan Taves. I think there's you know still a little bit of rust that's pretty obvious at times, but he, I thought he moved the puck well, uh, struggled a little bit at the faceoff dot, which is weird to see out of Jonathan Taves, but all in all for a second game back, he winds up on the stat sheet once again, got to feel good about how Jonathan Taves has returned uh, so far since missing those two months. Also got to give a shout out to Boris Kachuk in that third, the, the 14-15-16 third line for keeping continuing, I should say, continuing to find ways to make an impact on the game. Boris Kachuk, a huge goal for the Blackhawks last night, a perfectly red play in order to force a turnover. Nazem Kadri is chasing a puck down in his own zone. Boris Kachuk is the first man in on the forecheck. Kadri looked like he just assumed Kachuk was going to run him into the boards. And look, I mean, Boris Kachuk is a physical fourth liner. That's kind of what he is known for doing. Kachuk perfectly recognized that Kadri assumed that he was going to hit him along the boards. Kadri just kind of pokes the puck behind his own net. Kachuk reads it perfectly. Right when Kadri goes to make that pass, he intercepts the feed behind his own net, feeds Jujarkera out in front, nifty finish from number 16. Another goal created by that third line of Kara, Kachuk, and Anderson. They continue to just be fantastic. I'll tell you what, Boris Kachuk has just been James Bond on a mission these last four, five, six weeks. Now has three points in his last five games, just continuing to find ways to make an impact on the game. Really excited to see what Boris Kachuk is going to have in store for this Blackhawks team next season. And then Austin Wagner winds up potting the game-winning goal his first as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Also his first NHL goal since uh, April, I, I had it written down, April 12th of 2021, nearly two full years since Austin Wagner last scored uh, his, his 
last scored a goal at the NHL level. He also led the Blackhawks with six hits down there on the fourth line. Beautiful curl and drag move by Austin Wagner, by the way. I didn't know he had that in his bag, but uh, lots of speed from Wagner on that fourth line. Good physicality, and he's shown a little bit of uh, offensive dynamic so far in his three games with the Blackhawks. So good stuff out of Austin Wagner. I'm sure he felt awesome scoring that first goal in nearly two years. Shout out to Austin Wagner for potting the GWG last night. And then I got to give credit for Peter Morazic because truthfully, he was the only reason why the Blackhawks were in this game, why they had the opportunity to jump ahead in the third period because Morazic was really stellar all night long, ended up stopping 33 of the 36 shots that he faced to pick up his first victory since February 25th against the San Jose Sharks, first win in his last nine starts, very deserving for Peter Morazic. And honestly, uh, over the last two months, he's really been doing his best to kind of get his numbers back to being respectable, right? We've seen Morazic for most of the year with a goals against average above four, a save percentage below 900. He's starting to get those back to the normal range, uh, closing in on that 900 save percentage. And in fact, quietly, while Peter Morazic hasn't been earning a lot of wins and neither have the Chicago Blackhawks, he's been playing his most steady hockey of the entire season the past couple of weeks. In his last 15 starts, Peter Morazic has only given up more than three goals four times. And I know that might not sound significant, but with this Blackhawks team at the moment, that defense giving up that many shots on a regular basis, it's pretty darn impressive for Peter Morazic. So credit to him for playing well once again last night. I honestly thought... He was the Blackhawks' best player, uh, and while it didn't benefit the team to pick up a victory, it was nice to see Mrazek get rewarded with a W for his strong play. All right, coming up in just a moment, Hawks fans, I will talk about how badly the win last night from the Hawks hurt them in the Tankathon standings. But first, real quick, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Well, then you got to try Built. And I know some of you out there are asking, well, what makes Built Bar so good? First off, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and have unbelievable flavors such as cinnamon churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and plenty more. Plus, they only have 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in every single bar. And right now, you can go on down to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get you a box of Built Bars. You used to have to order these things online and would have to wait for them to get delivered to your door. But now you can go on down to Sam's Club or Walmart and snag you a four-pack of cinnamon churro, double chocolate, or you can even try the Built Bar Puffs, which are absolutely delicious. Go and grab you a four-pack, and I promise you'll be thanking me later. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Real quick before I get into segment two, today is the final day to qualify for the two free Blackhawks tickets that I'll be giving away to Monday night's game against the Minnesota Wild, the second to last game at the United Center this season. And all you got to do in order to qualify is three real easy things. One, go and leave me a review on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Two, make sure to drop the name of your YouTube channel in that review. And three, go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. The reason why it's so important for you to drop the name of your YouTube channel in that review is because that's how I'm checking that you're going to be subscribed 
to the channel. You got to do all three in order to qualify for those two free Blackhawks tickets. Today is the last day to get those reviews in, so make sure to take advantage of their uh, of that tremendous opportunity. All right, enough of that. Getting back into the show. Segment two, let's talk about the latest update to the Tankathon standings following uh, two or excuse me, three of the four teams at the bottom being in action last night. And all four teams at the bottom actually now have five games left on the schedule in the regular season. Unfortunately for the Blackhawks, not only did they win last night, but the Columbus Blue Jackets lost once again, falling 4-2 to two on the road to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was going to be a tough ask for them to come away with a point in that matchup. But I'll tell you what, rookie goaltender Jed Greaves did his best in his first NHL start. I believe he stopped uh, 40, 46 of the 50 shots that he faced in this game. Shout out to Jed Greaves for doing his best to try to get that game into overtime. But the Blackhawks win. The Blue Jackets lose. Let's take a look at how the standings shake out following what occurred last night. So with the Blackhawks picking up the victory, folks, unfortunately, they no longer sit in last place. They're not in 32nd in the NHL standings. In fact, they've actually jumped both the Anaheim Ducks and the Columbus Blue Jackets at this point, but it's still a very close race. The only reason actually why the Blackhawks are in third to last place is because the Ducks and the Jackets have the tiebreaker over them at the moment, which is regulation and overtime wins. The Black, or excuse me, it's just regulation wins. The Blackhawks have 17 regulation wins, while Columbus has 15 and Anaheim has only 13. All three teams currently have 56 points with five games to go. Anaheim right now is in 32nd, 23-44-10. and 10. As I mentioned, 56 points, a 3-6-4 points percentage. They've lost eight games in a row. They have been tanking phenomenally well as of late. They've also lost 12 of their last 14. They have a huge matchup on home ice with the Edmonton Oilers tonight, and I'll tell you what, it would be massive, massive, if the Ducks would be able to come away with at least one point tonight because uh, with them only having 13 regulation wins and the Blackhawks having 17, um, the Blackhawks are not going to be able to have the tiebreaker over Anaheim. So they need to finish with fewer points than the Ducks do or else they're not going to be in 32nd place. Columbus is in second to last at the moment. They're 24, 45, and 8 now, again, with 56 points, 0.364 points percentage. They have 15 regulation wins, as I mentioned. Uh, They lost last night, gave it their best effort against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I can respect. Their next matchup is at the New Jersey Devils on Thursday. Not very hopeful that the uh, Blue Jackets are going to pick up a point in that one, but crazier things have happened. They did go into Boston and find a way to get a point. So I'll be keeping my fingers crossed on Thursday night. That brings us to the Blackhawks. They also have 56 points and a .364 points percentage. But what's killing them is the tiebreaker at the moment, the fact that they have 17 regulation wins. They're now 25, 46, and 6 on the year with five games left in the season. Obviously, they just swept the season series against the Calgary Flames last night, winning 4-3. to three. Their next matchup comes tomorrow night on the road at Rogers Arena against the Vancouver Canucks, a team that has done very well against them so far this season. In fact, 
The last time the Blackhawks traveled up to Rogers Arena, it was a bloodbath, one of the ugliest games of the season. Might not look like that <clears throat> when you go and look at the schedule. The Blackhawks only lost this game 5-2, to two, but they also only had 14 shots on goal total in that game, while the Vancouver Canucks had 48 that's right. The Hawks got outshot 48 to 14 in their last trip to Rogers Arena. Uh, poor Peter Morazic got hung out to dry that night. I remember, and poor me stayed up till one in the morning watching the Blackhawks get their asses handed to them. Uh, I would feel a little bit better watching that happen this time, though, given uh, the Blackhawks' current situation in the standings and only five games being left in the season. Um, in fourth to last place, though, the San Jose Sharks. They did wind up picking up another point last night, losing to the Colorado Avalanche 4-3 to in overtime. They erased a 3-1 to third-period deficit. That makes four games in a row now where the Sharks have at least picked up a point. They also have a point in seven of their last nine. So while they were doing a phenomenal job of tanking there for a while, kind of hit a skid. I'm sure the fan base is furious at the moment. Uh, the Sharks are now 22-39-16 and 16 on the year. 16 overtime losses for the San Jose Sharks. Aye, aye, aye. But that now gives them 60 points on the year, four points ahead of Chicago, Anaheim, and Columbus. Uh, honestly, folks, after that point last night by the Sharks, I personally think it's a three-horse race. With all of these teams having five games left in the season, the Sharks are four points clear of last place. One of those three teams, Anaheim, Columbus, or Chicago, one of them is going to lose at least four of their last five games in my mind. So I, I really think 60 points is kind of out in terms of uh, finishing in last place. So for me personally, looks like it's down to Anaheim, Columbus, and Chicago to finish in 32nd place in the NHL standings. Unfortunately for us Blackhawks fans, the Jackets and the Ducks have the tiebreaker at the moment, meaning the Blackhawks have to finish with fewer points than both of those teams. They cannot be tied with them in order to have the best percentage chance of landing Connor Bedard in the 2023 NHL Draft Lottery. All right, there are the updated Tankathon standings with the bottom four teams all having four games left in the season. Coming up in just a moment, I will talk about 2022 third-round pick Gavin Hayes being the latest prospect to sign his entry-level contract. But first, I need to talk to you all about game time, which is the perfect place for last-minute ticket deals. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, and game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I've always used game time well before they were a sponsor of the show. I've been using game time since I was a freshman or sophomore in college because it's just super easy. They have the cheapest tickets. When I was going to the University of Missouri, I'd go on game time and I'd buy one single ticket to St. Louis Cardinals games. And this is from a Cubs fan just because the tickets were so cheap. I enjoyed watching games and going to Bush Stadium. The only reason I bought those tickets, though, is because game time makes it so uh <clears throat> So simple and so cheap in order to purchase my tickets. I also love how they give me images of my seats along with event cancellation protection just in case anything happens. So make sure to go and download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps for $20 off your first purchase. It's a pretty good deal. Again, go and create an account and redeem the code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed game time. All right, before I wrap up the show for today, folks, we do have to talk about uh, 
2022 third round pick Gavin Hayes being the latest prospect to sign his entry-level contract with the club. And he's been an absolute monster for the Flint Firebirds of the OHL this season in uh, 66 regular games for the Firebirds. Hayes wound up tallying 41 goals and 40 assists for 81 points, well over a point-per-game player, a huge jump in leap in his game from his first year in the Ontario Hockey League. Now he is still expected to return to the Firebirds next season. Um, I guess anything can happen, but with Hayes still only being 18 years old, I believe at this point, more than likely going to uh, be a slide situation, just like Paul Ludwinski, where his entry-level contract won't kick off until 2024-2025 because he is expected to go back to junior. But I'll tell you what, Blackhawks fans, I wasn't, you know, too stoked on Gavin Hayes after seeing him in development camp and at the prospect showcase, but my mind has certainly changed on him based on the season that he's had with the Firebirds. And I can't deny that he's probably deserving to be inside my Blackhawks top 10 prospects list that I'm going to do once the season wraps up here in a couple of weeks, because Hayes has flashed his dynamic goal scoring ability, which personally looks like it's his best asset. He's been when I've been seeing highlights from Flint this season, not only have we seen Hayes uh, show off his impressive shot, but he finds those little areas, those open spots. He's good in transition, a quick release. It feels like he's got all the tools to be a gifted goal scorer as he continues to uh, rise through the ranks these next couple of years. And then adding the playmaking ability too uh, has been absolutely awesome. I'm really excited about Gavin Hayes. Should be uh, having a monster year for the Flint Firebirds next season and will likely return to being a top-line player for them. Uh, By the way, the Firebirds are in the midst of their opening round series in the OHL playoffs against the Saginaw Spirit. Gavin Hayes, I don't believe, has gotten on the stat sheet yet, but uh, the Firebirds are currently winning that series. Make sure to go and follow at Talkin' Hockey on Twitter to keep updated with not only Gavin Hayes' first round series, but all of the Blackhawks prospects in their playoff series and their respected junior leagues. But anyways, on Monday morning, we saw Hayes was the latest prospect to ink an entry-level deal. Three years, just short of $900,000. As I mentioned, likely going to be a slide candidate, given that the expectation is for him to go back to the Firebirds. But Hayes becomes the fifth Blackhawks prospect to sign his entry-level contract here in the past couple of weeks. Of course, uh, I know some Blackhawks fans probably see that and think he's coming to the NHL or the AHL rather soon. Now, this is just kind of Kyle Davidson in the Blackhawks front office taking care of business. If you know they feel like a prospect is ready to sign their ELC and commit to the club, you'd rather do it sooner rather than later just to kind of push all those thoughts of maybe not signing with the team and becoming uh, a restricted free agent or an unrestricted free agent actually kind of pushes all those thoughts out of the way. You don't even really want to reach that point unless, you know, you're not too high on a prospect. Then that's obviously a different situation. But with a guy like Gavin Hayes, who's looked excellent so far this year, why wait? Get that baby done. And now we know that Hayes is signed on for three years whenever he does elect to make the jump to professional hockey. But yeah, we've seen now five Blackhawks prospects sign their ELCs recently. The first of course, was Ryder Rolston, who we have seen on the ice with the Rockford Ice Hogs here as of late in a full, uh, no longer wearing, I should say, the non-contact jersey. And I mentioned on Twitter and on the show here that Rolston 
Uh, when he signed his entry-level contract with the Blackhawks, I wasn't really sure if he was going to get in any action before the end of the year because uh, he actually suffered a broken collarbone with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish that ended his junior season. He had tallied 20 points in 27 games, really had gotten off to a good start for the Fighting Irish, but sadly had his season cut short by that broken collarbone due to the injury. I wasn't sure if they just wanted to, like I said, get that entry-level deal out of the way. I wasn't sure if uh, Rolston was actually going to play in any AHL games, but the fact that he's been a full participant in practice recently has me thinking that he's going to get in some games down there for the piggies. So keep an eye out for Ryder Rolston making his professional debut likely sometime soon here. Uh, we've obviously seen Wyatt Kaiser up in the NHL as of late. Didn't play last night against the Calgary Flames. Luke Richardson is carrying nine defensemen on the active roster right now. So three defensemen are going to have to sit out on any given night. Not an ideal situation on the blue line, but I do think Kaiser will likely get back in there uh, on Thursday up in Vancouver. I mentioned for Paul Ludwinski, uh, he's another guy who likely is going to have his entry-level deal slide on over another season because he is expected to go back to the Kingston Frontenacs of the OHL where he served as the captain this season in the second half of the year after uh, Connor no, no, I was going to combine Connor Bedard and Shane Wright. Shane Wright uh, was traded from the Frontenacs. I was about to say Connor Wright, and I'm like, hmm, that doesn't seem correct. No, after Shane Wright was traded, Paul Ludwinski was named the captain for the Kingston Frontenacs. Blackhawks 2022 second-round pick, 39th overall selection, part of the return for Alex it from the Ottawa Senators, obviously. Um, unlike Rolston, we will not be seeing Paul Ludwinski in action for the Rockford Ice Hogs. I know he signed an amateur tryout, but the Ice Hogs announced that he's out indefinitely due to a left ankle sprain. We finally get an update as to why Ludwinski missed the end of the season with Kingston due to a left ankle sprain, uh, cost him the final 10 games of that season. Not going to be in any action this year. Looks like the Blackhawks just want him getting fully healthy heading into the summer. Then we've also seen Anti Sorella, 2019 fourth-round pick, guy who really hasn't been maybe lighting it up overseas but has been getting a lot of good experience in Finland's Liga and is known for being a very good skater and being a tenacious four-checker, kind of have having the defensive side of his game round out at this point. It's just kind of the belief of whether or not he's going to be able to develop some offensive game, that's what's kind of going to take him to the next level or give him a chance of being a sustainable NHL. Or we're still going to see if Anti Sorella plans on coming over, but I'd bet that he does, given that the two sides reached an agreement on their ELC. And then Hayes becomes the fifth. As I mentioned, a phenomenal second season in the OHL, 81 points in 66 games. Really stoked about all these Blackhawks prospects signing their ELCs. Super stoked to see what the next step in the process is for each of them. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Wednesday, April 5th's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show and make sure to go and show some support if you haven't done so already. First, by subscribing to the YouTube channel. You can also go and follow the podcast 100% for free wherever you get your podcast. That way you can get the latest show as soon as it gets uploaded. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, that's going to do it here for the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day.